Hey, ladies and gents, and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, episode 163, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. As always, I'm joined by Jordan. Hello, Jared. It's great to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Uh, and the Thanks person... for joining us. I, yeah, I, I, it's a pleasure, always. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. the person who never wishes me uh, welcome uh, to the show, Dom. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, the delayed of us. Part two. Well, you do ask Whoa. me to praise the sun every week about, so there's yeah. that. It's not a wild He's giving you reminders. Yeah, true, true. Uh, I guess I'll start. Uh, I have a bevy of things to talk about so I can run through them. So, oh, Good uh, word, too. Bevy? Nice. Yeah, bevy. Throw my Chevy to the bevy. bevy with Hit the me bevy with your games. bevy shot. <laughs> um, so we didn't record last week. Some things came up, so we weren't able to record. So... Over the last two weeks, I've played a bunch of ukulele in the Impossible Air, uh, and then the last, like, at 10 last night to this morning, uh, to us recording, I've played some Call of Duty Modern Warfare as well as The Outer Worlds, which I'll talk about both of those. So they just <laughs> released at 10? Yeah. Uh, I played... Okay. Uh, I thought you were saying you have played those games like, oh, straight since that time <laughs> last night. Yeah, I wish, man. Back back in my youth. Um, so, Ukulele in the Possible Lair is obviously uh, Platonic's follow-up to Ukulele, which was a 3D platformer very much inspired by the Banjo-Kazooie's and Donkey Kong. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of, is Country is a 2D, right? Or is Country uh, the 3D? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Sixty-four. I think is the 3D one, but I'm I'm not sure. I'm not r- well versed in the Donkey Kong lore. So yeah, it's very much inspired by the uh, 3D platformers of, of old. The rare games. Exactly. Uh, Ukulele in the Possible Lair is the Donkey Kong Country uh, to the Donkey Kong 64, which was the first 2D. game. Yeah. Uh, so to really quickly describe it, the levels are pretty much. Uh, if you take, if you were to take a 2D Banjo Kazooie game and Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze and mush them together, right? Uh, the overworld is different than that. The overworld is a 3D space that's isometric, and uh, it's the level hub, and you're going around unlocking different areas to get to these levels to play them. Once you launch into the level, that's the 2D platformer experience, right? One of the really cool things about this game is almost every level has two versions. There's the base version that you normally see on the map, and there's a secondary version of the of that same level that changes based on environmental factors that you create in the overworld Whoa. map. So, to explain it, say there's a World 1-1, right? It's normal, it's fine, you play that map. It In the environment, in the overworld, there's a switch you can flip, and it raises the water level in that area. So then that unlocks the secondary version of that level, and it's the same level, but it's covered in water, so the pathing in the actual level is different, and there's different things you can unlock, and enemies are placed differently. Um, so it takes the same, like, most of the same geometry of the first uh, map, but it mixes it up a little bit. And the different types of environment changes are, like, icy or air-based levels, so it takes away a lot of the platforms, uh, more difficult. Uh, one of the cool things with the levels, too, is... A majority of them are normal get to the end of the level right start at one thing either scroll right or scroll left and get to the end um, but then there's these levels that pop up every once in a while that are 
you get placed in this level you can go left or right or up or down um, and you have to collect these five collectibles and once you collect all five of them you come back to the beginning of the map and you beat the level so instead of it being a straight line linear experience you get to like pick and choose which challenges you want to tackle first right because every in those levels there's like five sub areas where you have to get each collectible and bring it back to the beginning uh, so it switches up the dynamic of the gameplay uh what else the 2d platforming feels good it's a little floaty but you kind of expect that in the donkey kong country type 2d platformers they're meant to be that way um, they're not like these precision platformers like a Mega Man or something. Uh, it rewards uh, exploration, which I really enjoy. There's underwater sections that you can completely miss if you don't uh, look out for these breakable uh, platforms underneath you that can unlock like submerged areas or caves. It's it's a fun game. I, I don't think this is like trying to be uh, game of the year by any means or trying to innovate in the space. It just does everything really well. Uh, it's great because, you know, platforms like PlayStation and Xbox don't have Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze, so we don't have, really have access to these type of games if you don't own a Nintendo Switch. And this is yeah. really, you know, doing it justice on these other platforms. Outside of Knack, man, they're, they're missing platformers. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's not too much to say there. I'm about... You have to collect 48 of... So you unlock these bees at the end of every level, and you have to unlock 48 of them to, quote-unquote, win the game or fight the final boss. I have 20 of them so far. Not all of them are, are acquired through beating the levels. Every level you beat, you are guaranteed one. But there's these, like, puzzles in the overworld that you can figure out that will unlock them as well. And they're pretty sparse. They're... In my total play time, I have 20 total bees... And I think maybe two of them are not from a level. Um, so it's not like you can just like pass all of the levels and do all of these puzzles in the overworld and beat the game that way. I'm enjoying my time with it. It's fun. It's I wouldn't say it's easy, but it's not like super challenging, right? There's like with many platformers, especially floaty ones, there's sometimes some odd hitboxes where you don't think something should hit you, but it does. Uh, what else? Um, oh, there's tonics in the game. So you can collect these tonics that are essentially the collectibles. And they all do different things. Out of the 15 or so I've collected, maybe three of them actually affect gameplay in a positive or negative way. The other ones change the art style of the game. Or it's like big head mode where your character has a large head. Little fun stuff. Uh, there's one where it makes everybody talk backwards. Um, they're pretty much there. I and in my estimation, for when you're going back to try to 100% this game, because it is a collectathony type game, for you to change up the look of it and make it feel refreshing, so you're not seeing the same thing over and over again, right? As you grind away collectibles. Um, yeah, I'm enjoying my time with it. It's fun. Uh, it's one of the games like we were talking about before the podcast, Jordan, that I use some of the refund money from Ghost Recon Breakpoint to purchase. Ah, that's right. Uh, and yeah, so instead of playing a broken game that wasn't really fun or enjoyable, I'm playing a wonderful 2D platformer that harkens back to my childhood in many ways. Like the reason I love this game is there's a good chunk of it that's a due to nostalgia of it feeling like for better or worse, a game for my childhood. Right. So really enjoying that. Um, I've spent the most amount of time with that. The other two games I want to talk about, I haven't spent a whole lot of time with, but I did want to mention them. Uh, the outer worlds. 
Dom, you had talked about before the show that you're planning on picking it up, so I'm going to be kind of light with story-related stuff. Um, what I will say is this, it feels like what we expected it to feel like, which is a Fallout game, right? Um, mm. And I haven't experienced any bugs yet. I've only played about an hour and a half. I haven't experienced any bugs. The dialogue system is eerily similar to a Fallout-style game. Uh, the way the game feels in terms of shooting mechanics, I feel, is a little bit tighter than Fallout games, but it's not it's not Call of Duty or anything, right? Uh, which I'll get into later. Uh, it still is a little loose. Um, I felt the, the actual uh, ADS and the sensitivity was, like, way high, so I had to turn that down because you're, like, zipping back and forth when you're trying to shoot enemies. The guns themselves aren't really fulfilling, but I don't go into a, an RPG like this expecting that. Like, when you shoot enemies, it does feel a little empty. There's not a lot of feedback, right? Um, it's way different than a game like Doom. Um, I got to the first main city, which is, I believe it's called Edgewater. I'm only in the beginning of it. I've already met a couple of characters. There's like a sick bay and a barber who doubles as the town's uh, morgue. So you're getting, I'm starting to get the feel of that like Fallout style humor where there's these weird eccentric characters. The beginning of the game is odd because both of you saw the reveal trailer, right? For Outer Worlds? Yeah. Where like it's the yeah. old guy in front of the in front of you and he's talking to you and you're like yeah. behind the thing. Yeah. Uh, very Fallout 4-esque. <laughs> um, so what happens is that colony is lost in space and he needs somebody to go and find parts for his ship. He can't land on the planet because he's a wanted outlaw. So he just randomly unfreezes somebody, which gives context to the fact that you get to create your character because it's like he just picks somebody at random. You know what I mean? It's not like a specific character. And then he asks you to go down there. The cool thing I've noticed is, and this is something that Obsidian does really well and why Vegas is my favorite Fallout game, is mm. they immediately make you feel as if the specs you, you dive into and you upgrade, like your build, matters. So for me, starting the game, I went with a handgun approach. So my handgun damage is, uh, does more, and it's multiplied, and dialogue, right? So I have a lot more dialogue options of either lying to people or um, convincing people to do things. So that leads to extended conversations or alternate ways to settle situations, right? And immediately in the first five minutes of the game during the quote-unquote tutorial section of the game, I was able to talk this guy out of a volatile situation and actually got rewarded and he gave me his weapons and everything, um, which is really cool. I've noticed even, I'm early into the town, right, of Edgewater, and in the conversation I had both at the sick bay and at the barber shop, I was able to get information because the prompts that I had based on my upgrades. And just like any other Obsidian RPG, it's there's a lot there, right, to dive into in terms of what exactly you want to spec, what improvements you want to certain abilities. What I will say, going into this, I heard that people didn't like the UI. I don't really have a problem with the UI. It's what I expect out of an RPG that's this deep. There's a lot of menus to go through. I personally don't think it's that clunky. The one thing I will say is this is... <laughs> and I hate to say this because I love this game, and I don't think it'll affect how I eventually feel at the end of it. This is probably one of the worst like maps I've seen in a game. Uh, mm. 
it and it's not bad because I'll say why. Are you talking about the actual map that you're looking at to pick a place to go, or the map that is the level? The 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 map that you look at, like the the the, where it marks everything, and you can like pick a pin to go to your quest or whatever. It's as bare bones as a map can be, right? Um, And I guess if you're somebody who loves exploration and stuff, that's great. That you don't really know specifically where everything is. Yeah. But in an RPG where there's a lot of quests going on and there's characters you're meeting and there might be a specific location you want you to get to, sometimes it being a little bit more detailed would help. In my opinion, going through the game, I think a lot of their time and effort was put into the dialogue and the characters and the writing, and not a lot of time was put into the map or those kind of things. And maybe those things will improve with the sequel, right? When Now that they have the budget of Microsoft and the backing and they're not doing this with a separate publisher and they can focus more on building a, uh, a game without the fallout of it, <laughs> the fallout of it not succeeding. Um, so it, are we confirmed that they can make a sequel with Microsoft? Yeah, it's confirmed that Microsoft owns the Outer Worlds IP. Well, Obsidian technically and owns it, but Microsoft owns Obsidian, obviously. So. Gotcha. And how is the overall user interface since you're talking about the map? So what I will say is it's not... It's not great, right? I'm not trying to... You know, people were complaining about it for a reason. I don't think it's that clunky, and I think you can move through things fine. The biggest gripe for me is that you can... So you can equip four weapons at a time, whether that be melee or uh, guns. And the way you switch out what weapons are there are cumbersome in the sense of... Say I equip an assault rifle, pistol, shotgun, and a sword, Okay. One, two, three, four, they're in the slot, and you can switch them with Y when you're playing in gameplay. If I wanted to switch the sword to the slot of the shotgun, I can't just click A on the sword and then click A on the shotgun. I have to click Y on the sword, specifically choose between discard, move to trash, or swap, so then you click swap, and then you have to go and click on the shotgun, and then they swap, right? So it's like too many steps. Now, does that bother me? Not really, because I already know how I'm going to set up my guns. I'll never need to move the, the melee weapon to the third slot or whatever. But you're not quick. It should be, yeah, it should be one one button press, right, or two button presses. One on the uh, one weapon, one on the other. So, it's those kind of things that are. It doesn't make the game worse, but they are these quality of life little things that could take it to the absolute next level. That being said, this game's like reviewing exceptionally well. I think it's like an 86. Uh, on Metacritic, and I'm enjoying it so far. Obviously, I'm only an hour and a half in, but I came into this game wanting a cool RPG experience where I'm getting XP for doing things, and some really great characters with great writing and eccentric personalities, and I'm getting that. The shooting combat, subpar, not great. I would say it's better than Fallout, but not, you know, much better. Uh, Yeah, not too much else to say. I'm enjoying my time with this so far, though, an hour and a half in. So, combat-wise, better than Fallout 4? No, I would say better than Fallout New Vegas. Okay. I would say 4 has a has a little bit better uh, handle on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a VATS-type system, but it's due to, like, the way you perceive time since you were in cryosleep for seven years. They explain that you perceive time differently, and it's like a sickness you have, so you're able to hit RB and slow down time. Whoa, I don't know if it's... 
I don't know if you'll get the ability to specifically target individual parts like Vats yet, Dom, because I only unlock the ability to, like, slow time, right? So I don't gotcha. know if that's an ability I get later, uh, but mm -hmm. it does have a Vats type system. But they do have that, they have that combat crutch. Yeah. It's, the thing I like about it is it it's not relying on you to, so far, highlight a bunch of body parts and just it auto-shoots. It shows you weak points, and yeah, it does slow down time. Which I'm thankful for because the combat isn't super great. So at least you give me the opportunity to slow down time, right? So I'm not just getting frustrated. Uh, and the healing uh, you can do with LB that that is really useful and is really quick, and you can do that in the middle of combat, and it doesn't feel too cumbersome as well. So you don't really feel. I'm just long. I'm glad you confirmed what I think we had already heard about the game, and that as you level up different skills. It actually matters as for how you can play the game differently and how quests can be completed. Like that's been, that's the one thing that Fallout Three and New Vegas were so excellent at, and what to me like that's a big part of what made those games special. That was entirely, almost pretty much entirely stripped out of Fallout Four. Um, this game has a lot of paths, like a lot. There's so many different builds you can do. Uh, one thing I will say to confirm. Uh, it does do the, if somebody doesn't see you in their line of sight, you could steal whatever the hell you want, which is great. Ah, I love yeah. that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, Dom, to your point, you can play this a variety of ways, man. I'm very curious to see how long the actual game is, and if I ever do go back to it, if I want to do a different build. I did make multiple saves at around the same point after the intro, and there is an easy way to respec your character too, which I forgot to mention. So if you get through the opening area and you're like, I don't really like how my character is spec'd, you can respec your character at any point. Um, the amount it costs to respec your character goes up the more times you do it, but it's pretty cheap in terms of the in-game currency. So I'm gonna try to avoid that. That's because that's the kind of the the thing, right? Like you show up to a quest and it's like, oh, if you have a if your speech, I don't know what they're calling in this game, but right, if your your charisma or your speech skill is so high, then you can just talk this guy into what you want, right? Otherwise, you got to go, you know, run an errand or do it, kill some people or whatever it is. So then it's like, well, I'll just go respect my character and get my speech skill up, get this quest done really quick, and then switch back or something. It's, I guess as long as there's a cost to it, an increasing cost, um, that would prevent you from, like, totally abusing that. But that's kind of, like, the point of you know, having varied skills and you can't put your points into all of the skills and do everything every way. There's gotta be some limitation. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're, so you're planning on getting, or you have it, right? So what, when are you planning on starting it? Probably tomorrow. I'll get some time. I'm pretty pumped. It's already downloaded. Um, game pass, baby. Hmm. Playing on Xbox. Yeah. Cool, I mean, on Xbox, it's hard uh, to beat. Game Pass, also, man. from what <laughs> I've heard, this game is better played on PC with a mouse and keyboard. Maybe because people have problems with the UI, but I'm having a good time with the no. controller. I don't do mouse and keyboard. No way, man. I, ugh, it just doesn't... No. <laughs> I uh, I've been going quite a while, so I don't want to go too much longer. What I will say for Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Played about five multiplayer matches total. I'm very rusty. Uh, I haven't played Call of Duty in mm. a long time, so I'm getting... Uh, I wouldn't say I'm getting smoked, but I'm definitely hitting about a 1.0 KD. So for every kill, I have a death, which isn't great. Um, but for somebody who hasn't played Call of Duty in a while, I'm getting readjusted to that specific type of multiplayer. Uh, the story mode. Fucking loser. 
<laughs> you got a KD ratio of 1.0, bro. What a fucking amateur, dude. I'm only oh, four man. missions into the single-player campaign, but I would say that this would be worth the price of admission if you can pick it up at Redbox or, you know, 20 bucks for a sale or 30 oh. bucks whenever it goes on sale. It is... Let me see if I can explain this properly. Most military games I play for a story mode... It feels like I'm playing a video game that's trying to implement the feelings of what a war movie is. This yeah. game feels like you're playing a war movie. Mm. So it's different. I would say that this is up there, if not the most cinematic game I've played. Uh, it feels like a movie in terms of the cutscenes, in terms of the way things are laid out from mission to mission. Um... It is one of the prettiest games of the generation. I swear, if I had a PS4 Pro or Xbox One X and a, a TV that could output what those machines are capable of, I would clearly yeah. probably say this is the prettiest game I've ever seen. Because I'm yeah. playing it on a 1080p monitor with a baseline Xbox uh, One, and I still think it's the prettiest game I've ever seen. Um, yeah. It's very impressive. The cool thing about the single player is that whenever you finish a mission... Uh, when you go back to the main menu, there's a separate menu for just all of the cutscenes in the game. So when you finish the game, you could just watch all the cutscenes again if you wanted to. Um, so you don't really have to worry about going to YouTube <laughs> like we, we do with some games. I think that's really cool too. Um, what else? Uh, the game starts off with some pretty brutal stuff in the single player in terms of... It's going to test people on what they find too violent or necessary in a video game for me i think it toes the line i think it handles uh, a lot of the um the subject matter effectively there's a one of the first two missions you're in piccadilly square in in london and there are civilians getting killed left and right and you have to take out these terrorists and Platform man and three quarters. God, yeah, just oh, break shit. all the tension, Jordan. Uh, <laughs> it's it's awful and it's harrowing, but I, at no point did I feel like turning off the game or not playing it anymore. It made me obviously it built into the immersion of the game in a good way for me. Yeah, I don't know if that'd work well for everyone because everyone has different thresholds for that type of stuff. And I will say it is pretty shocking so far in the first four missions of what they're willing to do in the story. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. The third or fourth mission, you pair up with... Um, Harry Potter. <laughs> with Harry Potter, yes, with Harry Potter. <laughs> uh, you pair up with this woman from uh, Rickstan, I believe, and she's a female rebellion leader. And you're uh, an American soldier, different one than the guy that's handling stuff in, in Piccadilly. And, and you kind of learn from her about how terrorist activity is an everyday thing for them because your guy comes in and he's like, you know, we need to stop this stuff that before it happens again in, in Europe and these, these different countries. And she's like, well, that's an everyday thing for us. And it kind of gives context to like how we take our lives for granted, you know what I mean, as American citizens. of, mm. We have to deal with terrorist attacks and activities, but... For some people in their countries, just depending on how the political climate is for them and, you know, dictatorships and stuff like that, it's 
it's an everyday thing with terrorism. So they're handling it pretty well so, so far. Big question for you, Jared. With the story, is it worth, since I'm probably not going to play the game, is it worth going on YouTube and watching kind of as a movie? Four missions in, I would say yes, but okay. I, who, who's to say I haven't even hit the real big, like, twist or spark for, you know, what's... I, it could all fall apart, is what I'm saying. <laughs> but four sure. missions in, it looks very promising. So, if... What Definitely I would say, Jordan, is... Like. It's not a very long campaign. It's only, like, ten hours, I think. Wait for yeah. me to finish it, or, or whoever to finish it, and then get the opinion of somebody who's finished it, just so that way you're not like, oh, well, the first part of the game sounds interesting. I want to watch it, yeah. and then it all falls apart, and you just wasted your time. You know, so... I would hold on. Once Harry Potter gets there, it falls apart. <laughs> yeah, the sixth movie just all falls apart. Uh, I spoke for quite a while, but I, I wanted to give my impressions on those three games because I'm having a blast with all of them, and hopefully it continues that way. Uh, what about you? I guess we'll start with you, Dom, and then we'll head to Jordan. What have you been playing? So, not all that much, actually. Um, <clears throat> still been playing Prey from Game Pass. Again, Pay. can't beat Game Pass. It's pretty cool. I mean, I'm kind of kind of lost interest though i don't really know why it's just kind of not kept me in it's like i get what's going on and i just don't really feel the need to finish it you know well, probably the great thing with know. game pass is you don't really have super buyer's remorse too like you didn't even you know and i think that's playing into it too i don't i don't know like often i, I feel compelled to finish games that i bought yeah you know um at least you know the main campaign or whatever they might call that in a game but you feel kind of compelled to like at least finish it you know, and then move on. But this is it being on Game Pass, and, and especially now that Outer Worlds is here, I'm kind of like, eh, I'm just gonna move along. I might go read the rest of the story, but I, I get what the game is doing, <clears throat> and I just, I don't know, I just don't feel interested in finishing it. It's just a weird thing. Um, it's really cool. It's it's similar to a uh, Dishonored in a lot of ways, where or, I mean, at least that's what it tells you is like you can get, meet, you know, you can complete these objectives in different ways, but. So far, I've not really seen that. It's pretty much find the key to the door, and and then you can go through it, you know. Um, but it's like a sprawling space station. You can go in different directions and do things in different orders and uh, that kind of thing. But um, I don't know. I kind of the the glue, the glue gun or is it the goo gun? Either way, um, that was cool. The goop gun. Yeah, that was cool for a bit, and I don't know novelty of that sort of wore off and you don't really get other guns I finally got like a shotgun but it don't get ammo for it and it, i don't know it's, it's just a couple of things but the, the atmosphere is really cool i think the story would probably end up being uh, really cool it's been interesting so far but yeah i just kind of it's just not keeping me in so much um whereas like dishonored i i felt a little more like the world building maybe was just more interesting and more engaging i don't know um, so even though like I would still probably recommend Prey I guess uh, if you're into those types of games but just right now I'm just like eh those I'm immersive gonna... sims yeah yeah. I mean I like that though because the enemies are few and far between but they're your ammo is extremely few and far between so it's it's you know kind of kind of strategize and that's kind of where I got stuck is like there's these two phantom enemies that just are blocking where I need to go and I don't have ammo, and I'm just like, I don't really feel like 
you know, scrounging this the rest of the entire game to find a little bit of ammo to maybe be able to beat these guys, and it's, I don't know, it just seems like too much of a chore. I think in terms of, like, psychological horror in video games, the first two hours of that game is pretty rock solid with that. In terms yeah, of what's um, happening, yeah, it's pretty good. It's really cool yeah. because, yeah, the, the mimics can be objects, right? And then all of a sudden, like, the first couple, like, are legit jump scares that are, you know, generated just by, you know, they're not planned jump scares necessarily, maybe the very first one. But after a couple hours, that shit kind of wears off on me because those enemies are so weak. And then I'm like, I don't really care, like, it's, they jump at me again, and I'm like, eh. Yeah. Yeah, that's over. <laughs> but it's still a really cool mechanic and and so on. But, yeah, so I think I'm just going to kind of move on from it You know, after, like, eight hours, which is, like, probably halfway through it. So it feels weird, but I just got to go, you know? You got to hop into the outer world. Gotta we got to go. talk about our different decisions and what happens, man. Yeah, exactly. And then also I was able to grab, uh, like, three months of – Nintendo Switch online membership for free from Twitch Prime. Mm-hmm. I don't really get it, but oh, cool. it worked. <laughs> it oh, worked. I have Twitch Prime. Or I have yeah. Amazon Prime, so I might want to do that. If you have Amazon Prime, yeah. you have <laughs> Twitch God. Prime. No, Jordan, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Every damn exactly. streamer pimping that out. So, yeah, I, I fired that up, and I've also been playing A Link to the Past on uh, you know the SNES Nintendo Switch online app, sure. whatever they're calling it, Switch Link to the Past, actually, I've only played through this game once uh, on the GBA back in back in those days. Um, so it's not one that I'm super familiar with, despite it being, you know, like a lot of people's like favorite Zelda games. So okay, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, like uh, it's about time I go back to this one. After Link's Awakening, I was kind of reminded, like, yeah, this is a cool remake, but this is one of like the, you know, the, the lesser of the 2D Zelda games. So I'm kind of been enjoying uh so far the first couple dungeons and a, a link to the past so yeah oh, oh yeah. uh fuck there was something i watched that was important and now i can't think. oh uh el camino it's really good the breaking bad there we i'm go. gonna call it an epilogue um there we go it, it was excellent so i i for breaking bad fans like obviously you gotta watch it um but i so, I think it holds so up. So when I go through my rewatch of Breaking Bad, I should I should end with the epilogue. Yeah, absolutely. I'll watch it as soon cool. as I'm done with. I'm on episode five right now in season five, so I'm close ish. Oh wow! Yeah. Look at Jared finally polishing off Breaking Bad. Polishing it off. I'll say, I'll say El Camino. Like definitely, I wouldn't ever tell anyone recommend anyone watch it without having seen the entirety of breaking bad it's purely designed for fans of the show that have seen it all yeah i like that it takes place afterwards though it's not like some of this anime stuff where like a movie comes out it's like oh it takes place between episode 18 and 19 but it's really not connected to the canon at all so who cares mm-hmm. yeah god damn and i'll lastly just say like it's also i called it an epilogue so i don't want to say too much but i'll just say that like just keeping that in mind, that is, it's definitely an epilogue. Got it. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Put it in the mind bank. Yeah. Uh, Jordan, what did you experience Put the last couple of weeks? Mind bank. Mind bank. Uh, what have I been doing? Let's see. Okay, so if I mention it here, you can assume that I enjoy it unless otherwise noted. <laughs> so for. Anime, we had the first couple episodes of My Hero Academia Season 4, right, Jared? Hell yep. Um, 
I would say off the bat, it's not catching me quite like season three, but I'm certainly cool with what they're setting up and interested in. And obviously, I'm, I'm down for it, right? Um, besides that, finished Samurai Champloo. Started uh, Watanabe's next series, Kids on the Slope. Watched through Black Lagoon, uh, Gundam Wing, and the movie Endless Waltz. Um, and I'm watching Darker Than Black. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, as far as comics go, of course, there's a bunch of weekly issues that I went through. But other stuff I... Read through Batman the Long Halloween just in time for the holiday. Ooh, and I need to get to that. boy, oh boy, I think this might be my favorite specifically Batman story. Um, outside of continuity, it's a 13 issue series and it is um, like monthly for each holiday throughout the month in between uh, a full year, right? Starts on Halloween, if that makes sense. And it's about these holiday murders, this serial killer called Holiday that's killing on different holidays with these little trinkets. So a lot of stuff from this is what built the Christopher Nolan trilogy. So that's really cool. Um, really enjoying it and would recommend it to anyone. Anyone, not even like comic book readers. Uh, especially just people that are generally interested in Batman. Totally cool. Um, really Your doms of the art. world. Yeah, sure. The Doms of the World, if you will. Uh, read through Injustice Year 3. Uh, Tom Taylor left halfway through Year 3, actually. I didn't realize. So I'll have to wait till Injustice 2 for him to come back, I think. And definitely notice a difference there uh, once he's gone. So that is unfortunate. But boy, was his first two and a half years really dope. Uh, read through the comic... Er, the first 11 issues of Birthright. Uh, movies. Watched through Kevin Smith's Viewers Universe. Um, which is essentially the Chronicles of Jay and Silent Bob. They appear in all the different movies that are in Kevin Smith's Connected Universe. So that's Clerks, Mall Rats, Chasing Amy, Dogma, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, and Clerks 2. And now, uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot, but I haven't seen that yet since it's in theaters. Probably just wait until it comes out in a couple months. Uh, really enjoyed this, though. It was a cool watch through on last weekend. And, uh, Jay and Silent Bob are fucking hilarious, man. Um, a lot of goofy stuff throughout these movies. I could talk about each one individually, but I won't. Um, but I enjoyed each one to some extent. Obviously, some more than others. I would say Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back and... Clerks two are the highlights there. So, what's the one another you rewatch the least? of? Real quick. That's a tough one. I didn't dislike any of them. I would say probably Dogma and Chasing Amy were my least favorite. Okay. Dogma is about Ben Affleck and uh, Matt Damon being uh, these fallen angels and trying to get back into heaven and like fucking all this shit up on earth and um chasing amy is about ben affleck falling in love with this lesbian and um like ending up having a relationship with her even though she's really only into girls at the at the beginning so um definitely interesting movies in their own right and um i would say they're both good movies but 
I like the other ones better, I would say. Another rewatch of Into the Spider-Verse. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I would say, if you haven't seen it, it's a must-watch. Agreed. Love the animation. Uh, and then, along with Kind of Bunny's in Review series, I watched Terminator and Terminator 2. And I'm glad that they are phasing out the rest of the sequels to jump to Dark Fate, even though I'll probably also wait for that until it's out of theaters. Uh, but... These two movies are really fucking cool. The ter- first two Terminator movies are definitely worth a watch. Definitely fucking cool movies, even if they are like old 80s and 90s sci-fi that, you know, obviously the effects aren't totally there or whatever, but nonetheless, super enjoyable, super cool. Star Wars Return of the Jedi and The Phantom Menace, Episode 6, and then back around Episode 1. Uh, I think that uh, Empire Strikes Back is now my favorite of the original trilogy. Still love Return of the Jedi and definitely don't have it like the Ewok issue that everybody or a lot of people freak out about. Um, Phantom Menace, I can now officially say that I think the prequels are bad movies that have some really cool parts and stuff in them, Star Wars-wise. Yeah. Alien theatrical cut. Super big shout out to the original Alien. Must watch as well. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. The Goonies. Uh, liked both of those <laughs> 80s movies enough. You know. Finally finished watching Mad Men as far as TV shows go. Oh. And definitely not my favorite series. I like stuff like Breaking Bad or Sopranos a little bit better. But um, different than those series for sure. And, and a lot of series. Very like... Um, introspective and existential type of thing with uh, the whole Don Draper kind of life story. And then kind of etc. finished Wolverine the Long Night. Funny, remember I was talking about the like cardboard cutout detective female character? Remember that? Yeah. Spoilers for this, you know, decent podcast about Wolverine. Uh, it turns out she's an android guys is the reason that she is you know so difficult to love um one of her lines was uh could you please turn off that music i find i don't like music i find it distracting it's like jesus christ this one so uh it turns out she's one of the older models as opposed to her partner who's a newer more uh friendly humanoid model right they get a better get along better with humans and can be more personable so she's an older model that's why she's like that uh and also star wars galaxy of adventures on youtube which is boys this is like the small beacon maybe a new hope you could call it right the small beacon of light when it comes to star wars animation because resistance is finally canceled after two seasons it's pretty much garbage 3d animation uh, Forces of Destiny, the female-focused uh, YouTube series, was just utter trash when it comes to animation-wise. And now we have Galaxy of Adventures, which are these short YouTube clips of this beautiful animation uh, reimagining Star Wars moments throughout the galaxy, I guess you could say. And really well done, and like I said... The small beacon, a new hope, if you will, uh, when it comes to Star Wars animation. Because it was looking real dark there. And, man, just... 
I just got to call out Disney in general when it comes to their current, at least television, animation. Uh, because, Jared, I know you and I have talked about where Marvel's at, like with their Spider-Man series, their Disney XD Marvel series look like fucking cardboard. Um, and then, obviously, I've talked about Star Wars Resistance and Forces of Destiny. They're just like, it's bad animation. It's cheap bullshit, and a Disney should not be anywhere near that stuff. So, hopefully... Galaxy of Adventures is a sign of what's to come. So, my hope is they crank up finally, that budget for Disney Plus since it's going to be like under their own service. That's my hope. I would hope so. Yeah, we've got uh, Clone Wars season seven. I guess is what they're bringing uh, it back for. And Morgan. that uh, got canceled when Disney took over in lieu of Star Wars Rebels, which was a much cheaper animation and did not look nearly as good. So we'll see how that goes, but <clears throat> finally, the game I played, uh, which other than like some Mario stuff with uh, co-op buddies, um, I would say uh, I played a little bit of Blasphemous on mm. the Nintendo Switch. Mm, okay. Which curious about dumb, this? Dumb, dumb. We yeah. finally found the 2D Bloodborne I've been looking for. Now Hollow Knight is a great great game and it's and it's very close to 2d bloodborne but i think that you can really say that is what blasphemous is it has the whole it's all about like the religious it's to me the game really seems to be about like uh catholic guilt essentially it's all about like catholicism even though it's not technically directly tied to catholicism it's it's like an amalgamation of catholicism but you know what it's trying to say, and, though. Like, you... Oh, exactly, exactly. It's about that guilt, for sure. And um, so it has a lot of the same, like, Castlevania-ish Victorian uh, church vibes of Bloodborne. And uh, it's this really cool 2D sprite work that looks like a 16-bit, like a, a really hardcore uh, tribute to 16-bit games from maybe PS1 or whatever. And... Yeah, the, the quicker combat, uh, like Bloodborne as, as opposed to Souls. And, of course, it's very... Uh, it has the lower enemy amount that you're meant to kind of like take more seriously and are certainly more punishing. So, um, yeah, I would say the music and the presentation are all certainly on point. The story is very... Um, has that same kind of mysticism that you get in the Soul series, but is certainly very interesting. And so the cool, it's a really cool vibe for sure. Um, and I would say the combat is definitely there if you're into these kind of like brutal uh, combat games, uh, you know, kind of um, sword combat. I know there's other types of weapons in the Souls games, but stuff like that. Um, I would definitely say. Dom, you should certainly check it out. Um, yeah, I know it's been on my list. Soul series, so. and certainly, I would say, you know, Jared, you really enjoy obviously the Souls games and Hollow Knight stuff like that. So I would say both of you guys would get quite a bit of enjoyment, I could imagine, out of this game. I'm planning for it to be one of my holiday games, so I'm mm -hmm. looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah, I don't know how long it is. I've only played an hour or so, maybe two, uh, but yeah, it's a cool game and. I would even imagine that 
that down the road we'll see you guys probably end up getting even more into this game than I do. So we'll see how how you guys what you guys think of it in the future. Uh, oh yeah. yeah, Blasphemous is certainly a game I can recommend. It's a cool one. I'm. I, it's been intriguing ever since that initial reveal trailer came out. It just like with the release of all of these big blockbuster AAA games in the fall. Unfortunately for me, it's like I'm gonna play you, but just wait a little longer. You know, just wait a little bit longer. Sure. Yeah. If Impo- if uh, Impossible Air, the ukulele game, wasn't like there, this would have been the game that I replaced Breakpoint with for sure. Uh, okay. So. Um, I would say I haven't noticed anything performance-wise that you need to worry about. So I would probably say play it on Switch. Uh, maybe that's just a me thing. You guys might want to play it somewhere else, but yeah, I'll be I think it works great on the Switch, and I'm sh- I haven't played it on handheld mode yet, but I think it'll be awesome for that. I'll be Xbox One solely because of achievements. Uh, right, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, Blasphemy! No, I'm just glad I got that in, the blasphemy. Yeah. Blasphemy. I, man, I'm, uh, I'm happy about that. I'm just, that's good to hear, because that's one I've been curious about, so... Yeah, yeah. Blasphemous Man. is a recommended game. Speaking of indie games, like I completely forgot Katana Zero came out this year. Dumb. Well, I guess Jordan. Yeah, I never. Zero. Yeah, I just. I never got to it. Yeah, I can't believe that game came out this year too. It's been, it felt like a long it's year, also on but a list. short year too. It's weird. Uh, I think we've we've run out of games that I need to be asking Jared about, like uh, Below <laughs> and Katana yeah. Zero. They finally came out. So huh? it's like, yeah. yeah, Hollow Knight too, which you mentioned. Hollow Knight uh, on Switch. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about the, all the game delays that happened in the topic portion of the show, but get, let's get to some of this quickie news real quick. So it's called quickie news. Get it? Uh, quick <laughs> if you didn't know. the quickie uh, news. So first up, it was revealed that not all Google Stadia Premier Editions will ship at launch on November 19th. Wow. So if you remember Unfulfilled orders. Exactly. Uh, this is the pre-order for the Pro uh, version of Google Stadia, and... What was not talked about during the pre-order phase of this is that, you know, people assumed like with most big consumer products that when you pre-ordered it, everyone would get it on the same day. But that's not exactly what's happening with Google Stadia, unfortunately. So the way it's going to work is that it's going to be set by priority based on purchasing order. So if you purchased a Google Stadia Premier Edition DOM an hour after they went up and I purchased it the next day, you're going to be prioritized before me. Uh So... That sucks for people who Way pre-order go, this Dom. thing, not knowing that. Uh, it's unfortunate that this wasn't, you know, labeled as such beforehand. Google Stadia, I still believe in the actual tech of it. Dom, we've talked about me and you got a chance to actually try it out with Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Um, I don't think it's necessarily going to launch in the best place, but hopefully a year's time from now we'll, uh, we'll see it um, shooting for the stars because yeah. this kind of stuff is like – it's it's – Stuff that shouldn't happen for a product launch, but it sometimes does happen. But, yeah. I, don't I think it's at least that. good. I mean, I guess it's good from the perspective of, well, they sold more pre-orders than they probably anticipated, maybe. Uh, maybe. But anyway, that, so that's one perspective. Well, no, there, wasn't, also... there was a cap for their pre-orders. Right, so even then, uh, they couldn't fulfill that cap. So I, I, yeah. yeah, I guess you're right. But I'd say at least they're getting out in front of it and saying it now. Imagine if, like... They never said anything, and then like people just didn't get their shit. <laughs> and then it would be yeah. a way bigger. Imagine story. if they were trying to produce an actual console. This well, is just yeah. like a controller, a Google and a... Chrome or a Chromecast dongle with a controller. Yeah, that's the joke well, people hide. Is like they're pitching a, a service where you won't need the hardware, 
and thankfully because they can't even deliver the hardware at a reasonable right. time too. It's Man, a, and, yeah, it's, and it's it's a bummer because to me it's weird the way they're rolling it. A lot of people would agree it's weird the way they're rolling it out because the primary like benefit, like the the value proposition, is that yeah, you don't need hardware. You just you already have a con- Xbox controller then and a Chromecast and like or a phone, then you're good. But they're launching it, so you do need the hardware, which is like, and then sometime next year it'll actually come out to where you don't need the controller or the founders pack or whatever. But it's like, that just seems backwards to me. Like that's your prime benefit is like save $300. Don't buy a console. Yeah. Except you have to at least buy this 129. It's, it's a bit middling. The I way will they're... say, you know, as skeptical as people have been about Google Stadia, this is probably not the best thing that could have happened. Well, yeah. And then think about their two premier games that they showcased Ghost Recon Breakpoint, which is pretty much mm. a failure for Ubisoft, and Doom Eternal, which got delayed. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, they're not in the best position. I think the. the it's re- going to take. Because, I mean, when this launches, you're going to have a lot of people who bought this $129 pack that it doesn't work great, you know, because oh, their yeah. internet's not the greatest. And, or maybe, it, it, maybe it's fine, but not quite as good as they hoped. Well, that's um, the problem, though, right, is that Google isn't pitching it as an early adopter. They're pitching it as a product release. If they pitched it as, right, like, you're uh, going to be a beta tester, I think people wouldn't be as upset when access, it comes in. It's not even. working. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it, what it's going to take is enough testimonials of, like, um, you know, people, instead of saying, yeah, it's just there's too much input lag because there's going to be plenty of those complaints, right? <clears throat> and it's going to depend on, like, what time of day you're playing even and, a lot of variables, right, where you're at, of course. So it's going to take a lot of testimonials of, like, yeah, I started playing Destiny this morning, and then at my lunch at work, I just literally turned, clicked the app on my phone, and, and it's right there where I was. And the convenience of it great. is going to have to be, you know, shown and, and heard from people, from all your favorite streamers or whatever it is. Because <laughs> um, that's, that's like, the value in all this. If right? you so, have t- Amazon Prime, you have Twitch Prime. God. Uh, real quick, too, I, I didn't put this in the quickie news. Uh, Shroud announced yesterday that he's joining Ninja and moving over to Mixer, which is huge because Shroud's one of the biggest Twitch streamers on the platform. People are assuming that Microsoft also, you know, backed up the Brinks truck to him as well to come over to the platform. So it's a pretty big deal. Shroud no longer has Amazon Prime, which means <laughs> Shroud no longer has Twitch Prime. Uh, uh, shout out Ninja, by the way. Big old Detroit Lions fan. He's been... He's been repping lately, and I can appreciate that. It's funny because his Whoa. wife's a Vikings fan, Dom's so it's like that intermarriage rivalry. Whatever, uh, go Ninja. Uh, next up, some quick Xbox news. During an interview uh, with Xbox, they were asked, like, hey, you know, with Game Pass and even ID at Xbox, people wonder how much are indie devs actually getting paid? Are they making a, a decent profit margin working with big platforms like you guys? And Chris Charlo, who's the head of ID at Xbox, uh, basically said that ID at Xbox has paid since 2014 when the when the pro, uh, the uh, project or division launched. It's paid indie devs over 1.2 billion dollars, which is Ooh. a lot 1. of money. 1.2 billion dollars. There's not a whole lot of news there. It's just cool to see that you know they paid indie devs quite a bit of money. And ID at Xbox is such a great program. It sucks that you know in two, 2013. PlayStation came out with this indie first mentality of we're like, we want you to play indie games on our platform, yada, yada, yada. And since then, they've kind of moved away from that in favor of obviously the really good AAA first party games. 
But with ID at Xbox, it's cool to see that, you know, one of the big three... Nintendo supports indies too, but I don't think they have a specific program, you know. I don't know. It's just cool. Indies. Uh, lastly, uh, not a whole lot of news here, but for the MPDs for September 2019, here are some highlights. In terms of the games selling for the month, number one was NBA 2K20. Number two was Borderlands 3. Obviously, it launched in September. And coming in at number four, Link's Awakening, not including digital sales. So there you go. That sixty dollar price point paid Dude. off. <laughs> me, me, th- two, three weeks ago. Yeah, this game is too expensive. It should be forty bucks. Everyone. That, <laughs> nope. Yeah, the Legend of Zelda Nintendo label, man. People are willing to do it. <laughs> Nintendo's over there, like maybe the we Nintendo should charge tax because they can. <laughs> exactly. Uh, year to date. NBA 2K20 immediately launched and became the number one best-selling game for the year. NK, MK11 still holds strong at number two. Borderlands 3 launched and immediately became number three for the year. Madden 20 is sitting at number four. And Kingdom Hearts 3 sadly dropped all the way to number five. So, there's that. National Basketball Association 2020. We knew this was going to happen. It's actually impressive that Kingdom Hearts 3 held on for as long as it did. I think yeah. maybe until, like, what, June, July, it was still number one, and then MK11 slowly passed it. Uh, and lastly, for the MPD numbers, NBA 2K20 has the best launch sales month for a sports game ever, breaking its own record from last Damn. year's version. And it passed Guitar Hero to become the sixth best-selling game franchise in history. So that's pretty good. I thought our hero going the way down. you were the way you structured those sentences. I thought you were about to say Guitar Hero was a sports game, and I was gonna just freak out. Oh no! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's get to these game delays, boys. We're gonna start off with the Sony one, and then we'll move on to the to the Ubisoft. So I'm gonna read through all this, and then we can give our thoughts on the actual delay. So shortly after Jason Trier and Abelian revealed that uh, that their sources believed that The Last of Us Part Two would be delayed on Twitter, Sony released a blog post confirming the news. Instead of releasing on February 24th, 2020, the game will now be hitting shelves on May 29th, 2020. An odd announcement it's a considering big the initial leap at this point in the game, man. Exactly. Uh, an initial what I wrote down is uh, it's an odd announcement considering the initial date was revealed. Around a month ago, right? We didn't wait. Yeah, they had a big event, and they were like, hey, we've got a date for you. And then just a f- basically a few days later, they're like, yeah, it's going to be months after that. And we're already pretty close to the original date at this point. We're not that far off. In the blog post, uh, Neil Druckmann talked about how they were finalizing a lot of parts of the game and getting ready mm. to you know, finish it. But they were just coming up with so many issues that they felt they couldn't do it in enough time to reach the level of quality they wanted. So it wasn't up to Naughty Dog quality, Jared. And this is big. This shows the amount of power Naughty Dog has because this game was set to release before the end of Sony's fiscal year, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. them moving it out of the fiscal year is a huge move. So uh, obviously, I know none of us are. We're upset that we don't get to play Last of Us sooner. But I don't think we're upset that yeah. it got delayed because we understand what that means for the quality of the game in the long run, right? So, yeah, I would, I would just say, well, for one, it lands right when I'm supposed to be in the middle of Cyberpunk, so the timing isn't ideal. But yeah, I'm with you though. Like, take mm. your time, make it as good as you need. But well, no, Cyberpunk comes out in March. This comes out in May. I want to say Cyberpunk is April, but now I'm questioning my thoughts. Um. Plus, I play slowly anyway. So, yeah. Thoughts. Um, 
But anyway, on the topic again, and, and we've talked about it before, it's like, yeah, obviously it's it's better to delay the game and take the time you need, even though it's costing you money that you would up to you, if it's Cyberpunk released. is April 16th. Okay, I thought so. Do not question your thoughts, Dominic. Yeah. They are it's correct. a month and a half, Dom. If you don't finish Cyberpunk in a month Dude, and a half. Ha- it's no chance. Cyberpunk's probably going to take me three months, assuming it's as big as Witcher 3, right? Um Oh, that's a very good point. <laughs> now that you and, put that into perspective, yeah, that's a very yeah. good point. <laughs> and again, I'm I usually go at a slower pace than a lot of people. Um, yeah, very but, good point. Yeah, you're uh, still playing Cyberpunk, Dom. And I'm not gonna rush it either. That's a game where I'm gonna make, take my time, just enjoy it, savor the flavor. But back to the Last of Us, though, the immediacy between when they first announced a date and then delayed it, it's like, yeah, okay, I get that's good that they can delay it. That's better, but maybe they shouldn't have announced the date to begin in the with first place yep and i know things change and as like like project management is difficult and it's hard to predict you know timelines but maybe just if you're not uh, you know 100% confident just don't say anything don't but you I'm think sure it's safe to assume yeah. because of that 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 february 21st date was something maybe pressured by sony and not necessarily right. naughty dog yeah and maybe Naughty Dog I was wonder like, yeah, when... we, we might be able to do it, yeah. but I guess when, you can go yeah, ahead when and when did they know that they weren't going to hit that date? Was it two days after this fucking event? You know, right. Was it two days before? That's what I wonder. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's interesting, too, because we're in a place where Sony hasn't been at a major event in a while or done a major event in a while. Lord have mercy. So that pressure maybe led to this as well of like hey we're also not at, we're not at E3 we're not doing any Paris uh, a Paris Games Week or Tokyo Game Show and we're not doing a PSX we need to have something to satiate fans in the meantime hey Neil we're, we know we're, we know we're not you know solidified on a date yet I know you're waiting to get closer to maybe the Game Awards to come up with something more you know for sure can we maybe get a date from you now? Right. You know? Yeah. And then it's like that event was probably, you know, planning was already, like, you know, far along, like yeah. you're saying, and, and they needed something. I, I like the Nintendo approach as of late of uh, fall 2020. They could have said spring 2020, you know, and then yeah. at this event. And then as it got closer and, you know, your timeline, you can see it better and predict better as you get closer. Then you start to narrow down. I think that's a decent approach because, like, it still gets people a little bit of excitement of, like, you're announcing a time frame, you know. Um, I would I would go one step further and just wait till you have a date nailed down and then tell me three and a half months, four months before. You know what I that's mean? That's most ideal. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, instead of that window. But that window is better. I don't know. It's a weird situation. Yeah. Uh, on top of this, Jason Trier followed up stating that this delay also bumped the release date of Ghost of Tsushima. Um, that Ghost of Damn. Tsushima was actually... Ghost of Tsushima was actually set to release around that May window with Last of Us coming out in February. But because Last of Us got pushed, now Ghost of Tsushima got pushed. But he added on to it that um, it still is going to be a PS4 game. It might release cross-platform, but it's not going to all of a sudden, obviously, become a PS5 solely game. This is what I'm so excited to see how they play this out because, like, why would they release it? Why, why put Ghost of Tsushima in a PS5 box? I mean, it's, and a PS4 box, right? When it's PS5 is going to be backwards compatible. Why do that? It just you know what I mean. I don't. Well, double your sales, right? But, but I, I don't know. It, it just seems odd. It's, to me, it's like 
I could see it more like it's a PS4 game, but then oh by the way, say Ghost comes out in like you know August for theoretically right, and then uh, PS5 launches in November, and at the PS5 launch event they're like they say well and you know some Sony first party PS4 games will be enhanced for PS5 right, Ghost of Tsushima, Last of Us Part Two are getting texture upgrade packs or whatever uh, with when they're Days playing on PS5 will be broken. <laughs> right yeah whatever it is instead of re-releasing entirely but do you want to re-release just put do that basically do just that but then put a new label of PS5 game on it I guess it's arbitrary um, I think that'll happen that like, says Nintendo Switch on it <laughs> I think it'll happen like in 2021 that we see the Ghost of Tsushima PS5 I don't think it'll release around the launch of the PS5 you know what I mean like later on when it's discounted for like 30 bucks or whatever they'll be like oh we're releasing a enhanced version a remaster for the PS5 in 2021 for like 40 bucks you know what i mean it just feels doesn't that feel weird though like cuz you could already they did play it with it on last PS5. of us i mean your character well, you couldn't have what you're saying is backwards compatible that's your on. point yeah. yeah yeah because you couldn't play last of us on PS4 until they released the remaster but for ghost of tsushima PS5 you can play PS4 games so you know what I mean? It we just don't even know like... how all this is going to shake out yet. Yeah, so we exactly. Don't know any of this yeah. for sure. That's yeah. what I'm curious of. Yeah, is how they handle uh, all these things. So Ubisoft was looking over like, oh, Sony, you decided to uh, delay one of the most anticipated games of 2020. We're going to delay all of our games that aren't as highly anticipated, but people care about some of them, so we're going to do that too. So, uh, Ubisoft followed Sony in delivering some news about game delays in their investor call that took place on the 24th, which is the same day as Sony broke the Last of Us news. In the call, Ubisoft announced that Watch Dogs Legion, Gods and Monsters, and Rainbow Six Quarantine would all be delayed to the following fiscal year, running from April 1st, 2020 to March 31st, 2021. They clarified saying Gods and Monsters and Watch Dogs Legion would both still release between July and December of 2020, so they, they, they're not they're basically saying that Rainbow Six Quarantine might not even release in twenty twenty, right? But they're confirming mm. Gods and Monsters and Watch Dogs Legion will both still hit twenty twenty. Uh, they said that five other titles would release in the fiscal year, including Ghost Recon Quarantine, Roller Champions, which is that game that had a beta in your E three, if you guys remember, the sports like yeah. rollerblading game. Just Dance. Roller Derby. Yep, Just Dance, obviously. And two unnamed AAA projects. One of those assumably being 2020's Assassin's Creed game, which we can all agree on. That's probably what one of the two AAA projects is. Um, and one of the other things that's kind of heartbreaking for people who love this game, Skull and Bones was stated to not release before April 1st, 2021. God damn. Shit. Yeah. Damn. I forgot about that game, but damn. So that to, me, that to me really states how much they took to heart the comments of it not having a story mode and people saw that new thing that remember they showed that new feature in 2018 of like you can go to these little islands that are like docked areas where you can walk around and people are like oh look it's a fully fledged single player game no those are just hubs this to me is like oh you thought that (laughs) yeah uh they that's 2021 man that's two years from now that's crazy yeah yeah uh, not good for that. Last thing I wanted to read. So these moves were made for quality reasons, as well as Ghost Recon Breakpoint vastly underperforming their expected revenue. This is what they stated as, as the reasoning for the moves. And Yves Gamow made a statement regarding the decision. I'm going to read you his full quote, okay? So his full quote is... All right. 
One second, my Microsoft Image Viewer is... Kimo's quote, I am including John Bernthal. One second, of course, when I decide to pull this... Okay, there we go. We were very excited <laughs> to have John Bernthal on the cast of Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Unfortunately, it sold four copies after all of the refunds. He, I'm going to die at pretty... the, the ripe age of 60. Jordan's going to show up at my funeral with John <laughs> Bernthal and a dog. And a copy oh, of yeah. Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Is this your dream? Is this your dream, Dom? <laughs> Is this your dream? Here's the Ugomo quote now that my uh, photos thing decided to work. At this stage, we have identified three main reasons behind the underperformance of Division 2 and more so Ghost Recon Breakpoint. First, it is harder to Wait, generate... Wait, Division 2 underperformed? Not as badly as Breakpoint, but it, it didn't sell as well as the first Division game. Damn. It still sold exceptionally well, but you remember how well the division sold? Like, it's one of their yeah. best selling games ever. First, it is harder to generate interest for a sequel to a live multiplayer game when prior iterations benefited from years of optimization. Consequently, we need to make sure there is more time between each iteration of live games. Second, our strategy of introducing gameplay innovations in our games has had a very positive impact on our brands. However, to win over players, these innovations need to be perfectly implemented in order to offer an optimal experience. This has not yet been sufficiently the case with Ghost Recon Breakpoint. While the change of formula has been very well received by some players, with an average daily playtime per player of over 3 hours, it also has been strongly rejected by a significant portion of the community. Finally, Ghost Recon Breakpoint did not come in with enough different... different Differenti differentiation, Jesus Christ. I got you. There yeah, you differentiation go. factors which prevented the game's intrinsic qualities from standing out. We are tackling these issues head on and already are implementing significant changes to our production processes. We are confident in our capacity to adapt and evolve as we have done successfully many times in the past. So he's basically saying we can't release these games as, as close as we did to their original... Um, releases Under right part. the sequels and he also said that the ghost recon breakpoint wasn't different enough or didn't offer enough varied gameplay for players to feel justified in purchasing it um and also the new stuff was not optimized enough yeah so basically the game was broken exactly it's cool that he's owning up to it it's obviously it's his the, he runs the company so he wants to throw in a hey players on average are playing for over three hours they need to throw in that little bit of you know good good talk to the investors but yeah, it's what we talked about with Last of Us being pulled out of the fiscal year. These are three games for Ubisoft that are being pulled out. Uh, you know, go, Rainbow Six Quarantine might not be a huge revenue driver. And Gods and Monsters, to me, I don't even know how that game was releasing in February when we saw a, a CG trailer for it, remember? That's all we saw. Mm. We don't even know what the gameplay's really like. But with Watch Dogs mm. Legion, that's a huge one for them. People anticipated that game possibly getting delayed just because of the tech behind it, right? Of being able to control whatever character and bringing them on into your your crew, this Even is this is huge for them. This might have repercussions too, just like Last of Us getting delayed and bumping Ghost of Tsushima, with Watch Dogs Legion getting bumped. Are they going to release Watch Dogs and Assassin's Creed within a month of each other? How are they going to handle that whole situation? Yeah. So, it's it's very interesting. Uh, Beyond Good and Evil 2 wasn't mentioned, but I don't know why it would be. We know that game's still a ways off, so it doesn't really surprise me that it wasn't mentioned. In terms of the other AAA game, because, you know, there's two unannounced ones. Obviously, one of them is Assassin's Creed. I, I would bet money on that. Do you guys think that there's a possibility it's Beyond Good and Evil 2? Do you think it's maybe... 
I would love if it's a follow-up to Rabbids Kingdom Battle, right? A sequel to that. That would be pretty cool. Well, Beyond Good and Evil 2 is not unannounced. It is announced. Uh, so. so it's not, sorry, it's not, uh, I, I misspoke. It's not unannounced games. They It's unnamed games in the call, if that makes sense. Gotcha. So they said two projects we have yet to reveal, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. It's, yes, put a date on. Yeah, the the wording is very weird. But yeah, I, I highly doubt to your point that it's Beyond Good and Evil Two. So, people hope it's Splinter Cell. Man, I don't know if a Splinter Cell game is gonna happen at this point unless Microsoft pays for it themselves. Because Ubisoft Jeez, seems like they knows. don't want any part of it. So, uh, I guess out of those four games, it's it's actually not an interesting question because we'd all pick Last of Us Part Two. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's I guess it's not too interesting of a question. It's do you, I don't know, I guess, gods and monsters. <laughs> a better question. It's calling me. On top of Doom Eternal, right, being added to this game, of, oh, yeah. uh, this list of game delays, do you guys think there's a chance that another game early in 2020 gets gets pushed? I think What's the, there? Likely, the likeliest candidate and the leak likeliest candidate at the same time is Marvel's Avengers. And the reason I say that I is because the they've seen not a lot of great feedback for that game, right? So it could be likely that a game yeah. gets delayed for polish. The problem is, is that Square Enix's fiscal year happens, ends right after that game gets released. And I don't know for Square Enix's sake if they could even justify moving that out for financial reasons out of there. You know what I mean? I don't know if they'd rather just yeah. bite the bullet and release it a little bit fudged up. I don't know if that game could get fudged. Uh, the other games we have Animal Crossing mm. Dom. Nintendo usually doesn't delay games. Already got uh, delayed. Animal Crossing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, technically. Oh, yeah, yeah, technically, yeah. Technically, yeah. it already did get delayed. Right. Yeah, you're right. They missed uh, their window or whatever. Yeah, yeah their window. Uh, we have uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. That could definitely get delayed. Uh, yeah. Anything could get delayed. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know. I know. What Cyberpunk absolutely... could get delayed, too. <laughs> that could happen. Actually, and I'll put money on it right now. Uh, or some other, thing, some other fun thing to bet. Final Fantasy Seven remake that's like february right final fantasy 7 yeah. that shit is definitely getting delayed guaranteed it Oof. well that game's trying to come out right before their fiscal year ends too right so oh, it's, it's like it's delayed as fuck man yeah <laughs> it's gonna be interesting yeah, if it'll be weird if one of the two square enix uh final fantasy or avengers gets delayed yeah it's it's man, both those games are set to be big sellers for them too so it's like which one releases first Final Fantasy, right? Final Fantasy. I wonder if... No, because that'd be way too close. It'd be like a month away. Hmm. We'll have to tune in and find out to see what else gets delayed, but... Tune in and find out. Uh, That's it for this week's GameCast. Let's talk about what we're going to be playing. For me, obviously, Ukulele and the Impossible Lair. I'm 20 Bs in, 28 to go. I don't know if I'll be able to finish it by next week, but we'll see. Get them Bs, bro. Get them Bs. Uh, Outer Worlds, can't wait to continue playing that and explore Edgewater and the rest of what's going on in that game. It's it's funny because we all know it's like not as big as a traditional Fallout game, obviously. I'm interested to see if, when I'm finished with that game, if it's like, oh, this is the right amount of what I want from an RPG like this, right? Or if I do like knowing that there's more to do, even though I might not do the hundreds of hours of content. I'm yeah. really interested to see how that plays out. Um 
Because if it's like perfect, then there goes to that question of like, well, do they change the scope of the sequel when they do it? Or do they just polish up the same kind of size of experience? Because that's also way more sustainable coming out maybe every two and a half years as opposed to every five years with like a Fallout or an Elder Scrolls, right? We'll Especially see. when you're pushing something called Xbox Game Pass. Exactly, Ooh. exactly. Uh, and lastly, obviously, Call of Duty Modern Warfare are going to play some more uh, multiplayer and get that KDA up for Jordan, so I'm not a scrub anymore. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Fucking laser bro. And play through the single player. The campaign for that game is only about 10 hours, so I might be able to finish that yeah. uh, between the Outer Worlds and Ukulele in the week, but who knows? So uh, I'm not stressing it. Jared, since we have episode 3 tomorrow, I'd like to know what your thoughts on the first couple sodes of My Hero Academia are. Oh, so real quick, episode one was a recap episode. I like the way it was told through that photographer guy. Uh, yeah, I would say it had enough new stuff to not be a recap episode for me. Yeah. Like it had enough it, it had enough new footage. And episode two wasn't pushing forward the narrative a lot, but that meeting between the two rival villain gangs popped off and there was some really crazy stuff that I didn't expect to happen go down. Right. Uh, I'm, obviously, I'm talking loosely, so I don't spoil it for people. Um, sure. That was really interesting. Uh, I'm excited to see where things are going. I want I wanted to start picking up, right? Let the wheels get a little bit more traction, but I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, it'll be like, what, 24-episode season? So it'll, you know. Usually around 8 or 9 is when it really starts kicking off from what I've remembered from the past three seasons. It's around that yeah. point where, like, it, you know, shit starts hitting the fan. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's pretty much it for me. Dom, Jordan, what are you guys going to be doing? Outer, Outer Worlds for Dom. Outer Worlds. Mm-hmm. Mm. Outer Worlds. Are you going male or female? Shit, I don't know. Good question. Maybe I'll flip a coin. <laughs> okay, Two-Face. Oh, what's your gender? <laughs> uh, anything else, Dom? Uh, oh, Link to the Past? I might, I might get back around to that. Hell yeah. I need to get oh, to that. Man. I played Link Between Worlds and loved it. So I, I, oh, I want to yeah. get to Link to the Past, yeah. Between Worlds is excellent, that's right. Playing them SNES games on that Switch. Uh, Jordan, you're going to be tackling Blasphemous. Anything else? Yeah, we got, we got Blasphemous. And um, also, Jared, I am very excited. Because once we get done here in just a few minutes, I'm going to watch The Nightingale. Do you guys know what this movie is? This sounds so... I might have it on a list of things I need to watch. The name sounds eerily familiar. So, one of the directors... or I'm sorry, the director of one of uh, the best horror movies in the last few years, The Babadook. Uh, She's an Australian director. I cannot remember the name for the life of me. Um, but she is an Australian director who did The Babadook, which is obviously awesome. And spooky. And her follow-up. Very spooky. Um, yeah, some horror stuff for uh, Happy Halloween, by the way, gentlemen, since we've got that in a couple days. Oh, yeah, because we're not going to um, be back guess, before... Yeah, well... Are we, we'll record on Halloween. On Halloween, think. yeah, I guess, yeah. Well, yeah. if we, if we can, Halloween. we might have to move it if... We have plans yeah. or something, but yeah. We're going to have to talk yeah. about that so, one. <laughs> anywho, uh, for yeah, a good Halloween flick, uh, reading the, like I said, um, 
read the Batman Halloween comics, and now I'm re-watching the Halloween movie, I guess you could say. Um, but yeah, really excited for the follow-up, for follow-up to Babadook, and um, also Gindy Tartakovsky's follow-up to Samurai Jack with Primal, right, Jared? A five-episode animated miniseries. Um, Give it a chance that, for people listening, because that first episode, oh, so good. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if I mentioned it on the show, but yeah, I've, I've kind of decided to wait and just watch full seasons of TV shows now, so I'm glad this is this was a quick one and I can go ahead and hop in. Um, let's see if there's anything else here. I guess I'll just give a quick shout-out to... Um, oh, the new artist on Spider-Man is pretty cool. I know we lo- we love Ryan Otley here on uh, Amazing Spider-Man, right, Jared? But um, this latest issue just had a new artist, so give that a shout-out. Wish I had his name on deck, but yeah. Shout out. Um, oh, the Nightingale's on Amazon Prime, it looks like. I might end up checking it out. There you go. Because if you have Amazon Prime, you have have Twitch Prime. (laughs) If you have Amazon Prime, you have Twitch Prime. Now, did you watch Babadook, Jared? Uh, It's on my to-watch list, man. I have so many things I don't like this. Like, I need to watch these movies. See, I I can't necessarily... For Halloween. I can't necessarily vouch for Nightingale yet because I haven't seen it, but... I know for a fact that Babadook is a must-watch, so maybe even try that one first. Okay. I I wonder if it's on any streaming platforms. I don't want to really it, buy it. I think it it's was Netflix. It, it, that's yeah. where I watched it, I believe. And it's I recommend it as well. If you like horror movies, it's I mean it's worth checking out. It's it's pretty fucking spooky. I'll, I'll do I'll that do some search and see if it's on any any uh, streaming platform. Um, is that it, Jordan? Sure. I guess. <laughs> sure, <laughs> oh, we'll I'll be watching. Uh, I'll be watching Attack of the Clones this week, right? So nice, nice. Best one. We'll see. Like I said, it's now. I think that uh, Phantom Menace is probably the best of the Star Wars prequels, which is not saying much, because I don't think that they are good movies. But um, we will see. It looks like it's going to be a competition between. You know, Attack of the Clones and uh, Revenge of the Sith to see who goes for the worst Star Wars movie. Worst movie ever. Um, thank you guys for listening to episode 163. We really appreciate it. If you want to follow us on iTunes, you can go there, search us up, follow us, leave us a review. It helps us out uh, in the dreaded algorithm. On YouTube, if you search algorithm. Controlled Interests, we'll pop right up. Subscribe to us. Hit the bell notification so you're notified whenever a new podcast goes up or any other videos we decide to do. <coughs> Um, because YouTube sub boxes can be pretty fickle, fickle mistresses. And lastly, on yes. Twitter, you can follow us at CTRLINT, that's Controlled Interest Abbreviated. And individually, you can follow Jordan at Malamotus, you can follow Dom at Dom's Oreos, and you can follow me at Jared underscore. Still working on it. <laughs> we'll catch you guys next week. Bye. <laughs>